the North Carolina Board of... I can't remember the exact title. Board of Douchebaggery? Board of Douchebaggery. Is that what it was? I think Dietary that's what it was. Normally I'm more professional, but this is L-A-L-D-L. Yeah, there you go. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome, friends and fans and family. I don't know if I have any family listening. Maybe some second or third or fourth cousins. Maybe my dad's listening, hopefully. But we are back here at the Lions of Liberty podcast. And this is episode number 83. But it's not just episode number 83. It's another edition of our oh-so-fun-and-fabulous feature, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. You may now proceed to a slow clap. Uh, who is everybody? This is a, an unscripted show, a show where, for, for those who are, might be new to this show, uh, where we just kind of get together with a few of my Lions of Liberty cohorts, and we uh, we have no script, so we just have some adult beverages in lieu of a script, and we see where things take us. So, uh, let's see. First, I'm going to bring in a man who is uh, in the Lions of Liberty studios with me. He's making his triumphant return to the Lions of Liberty podcast. He is our resident Rand Paul analyst. He is our resident um, Obamacare rageaholic. He is our resident bald guy, Brian McWilliams. Welcome back. Hello. Welcome to me. Yes. Thank you all for having me back. I, uh, I've risen like the phoenix from the ashes. can't remember why I missed the last show, but I am back to drink my Maker's Forty. Oh, I, I know why. You weren't invited. Ah, that's <laughs> top that's reason. Always, reason you know, I swear I get less invited to things because of that reason. The Nixon thing creeps some people out. I, I tend to kick a lot of doors open. Uh, by the way, I just want to point a quick fun fact out for our Fun fact, event. okay. Mark and I are both wearing hoodies and v-necks in the studio together. But mine does not have a zipper, just for the record. Where well, mine's a complete pullover and his is a zippy, so... What can I say? I like to be able to get out of my clothes quickly. Oh, you know, we will do, I think... Um, libertarians talking about fashion drinking liquor in a couple months once we build a little more clout with the audience but for now we're going to stick to the the politics i think for today i don't know we'll see where things take us uh who else should join us here let's see why don't we flip the old uh city city searcher here is that what we call it philadelphia we're going to philadelphia (laughs) and we're going to bring in jb lubin jb what's up hello everyone i need to come up with a better name than city searcher i know for America's birthplace of liberty, Philadelphia, you know? Yeah. Home of the Liberty Bell. The birthplace of liberty. Not your birthplace, though. Isn't that right, Not my baby? birthplace. I'm from New York, but I call Philly my home now. You can tell why it's Close enough. It's close New enough. New York. J.B. Lubin, um, I, I already skipped one question with, with uh, us, too. So we're going to get all three of us out here. Then we'll bring in our, our fourth mystery guest. J.B., what are you drinking over there in Philly? I decided to switch it up. Normally, I'm a whiskey man, but I decided to go with rum tonight. Some rum barbin core, 15 year. Just it's probably sure the best a, rum I've ever had. Ooh, sure you excellent. get a good hangover tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds delicious. You know what the best rum I ever had is? This is not like a joke. I wish I had like a good punchline coming. No, it's uh, it's called Florida Kanye. It's from Nicaragua, where I'm going in just a few days. But uh, maybe I'll try to bring some back and have it in our our next session. I would say for you guys, but you can't like sip it over Skype, so. Not, not going to happen. Brian might be able to have some. Uh, speaking of which, Brian, what are you drinking? We never addressed that that oh so crucial question. Oh, I slipped it in so smoothly earlier, you didn't even realize. Oh, so really? It's uh, Maker's Forty Six, a, a delicious birthday present that I was given. Actually, this is the second <laughs> Lions Limited Row. I'm drinking birthday birthday whiskeys. The first was the bourbon you gave me, and now this bourbon. So, right. can I say bourbon uh, bourbon makes for excellent podcasting? Well, that's the good thing about having alcoholic friends because the gifts are so much easier. You just oh, get nice. them booze and you're done. It's fantastic. And uh, I myself am drinking a Dewar's Blended Scotch Whiskey 12 years. That's it. Yummy. Um, all right. Let's 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 end the mystery now. Uh, let's bring in our fourth guy. Screw the city searcher. I don't even need it to know I'm going to beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Pittsburgh. And then, and then I, and I made the noise anyway because whatever. <laughs> Odie, John Odermatt, Pittsburgh. What's up? Mystery solved. It's great to be back. Mystery solved. You're not even the mystery because there is an actual mystery guest that we might hear from later on, but we'll get to that if and when we come to it. 
Oh, anyway, um, so yeah, if you're new to the show, basically what we do is we talk about what we're drinking, and that's about it. But no, we do actually get to some other stuff. We talk about some politics, some current events, and um, I don't know. As I mentioned, I don't have a script. I don't have a plan, so does anybody you else didn't, anybody you didn't have ask anything? me what I'm drinking, though, so you missed the one, the first crucial question. Mark, you're drunk. See, no one ever, see... <laughs> I need. I, I make too much money in this gig. I should have got a pay pay downgrade. <laughs> just kidding. I make none. Odie, what are you drinking? Why don't I tell you? I'm drinking. Why don't you uh, just tell me what you're drinking? <laughs> some uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon, which is what I pretty much drink uh, on every lines of I'm gonna, I was going to say it sounds familiar, but it sounds delicious. <laughs> and, but too. I also got a little uh, special beer here, a little Red Seal Ale, Ooh. which is out uh, sort of your neck of the woods, out in uh, Fort Fort Bragg, California. So does the army actually guys. make it? Um, no, I think seals make it, actually. I, I think they, Maybe they, they seals make or it smashing the hops against the rocks with their bellies. Wait, really? Hold on. You know, I think actually I actually had that at Bacon Fest. It's, bacon fest. it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. probably my second favorite beer of all time. So really? That's, pretty, pretty that's good, quite yeah. an endorsement. Uh, uh, if anyone from Red Seal is listening, we are still looking for a booze sponsor to this show. Buddy, might I ask what style of beer that is? It's an ale. It's an ale. An ale? ale? Uh, um, JB, I'm the host. I'll ask the questions. But Odie, Odie, what style of beer is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I guess I would call it a, uh, a pale ale. It's uh, it's pretty similar to the, a beer I drank a few episodes ago, uh, Sweetwater 420. I'd say it is a little, a little more bite than that, but very similar beer. That's my favorite name of a beer you've ever mentioned, Sweetwater 420. It's pretty nice. I won't disclose why. I'll leave that up to the to the, to the listeners I out there. I understand why people want to drink pale ale. I don't get it. Uh, it sounds like it's like, hey, do you want to eat a bunch of lemons and pee in my mouth? Because that's what see, this tastes like. I prefer pale ales to like um like stouts and like heavier beers like that. But maybe that's because I'm pale. It's true. You can't see it at home, but uh, and, check I, and it out. I identify <laughs> with it. Google it. Funny enough, I prefer stouts. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Well, not Weird. not all pale ales are created equal. <laughs> much like not all pale people. I just want to point out that was a black joke for anybody who doesn't know, but. <laughs> But JB is the one making it, so it's okay. Um, see, if you called me pale, we would have problems, man. That's all I'm saying. Um, anyway, at some point we should probably talk about, I don't know, well, liberty. I got, a, I got a quick question. Okay, Since, forget you know, it. The Oscars were just this Sunday. If you're okay. listening in. We're less important it. than? Less important than the Rand Paul pluses and minuses. Okay, which you can read every Monday at lionsofliberty.com. That's plug right. number one. Odie, keep track of our plug points. <laughs> But I want to bring up the fact. Thank you. I want to bring up the point that uh, Citizen Four won Best Documentary. Did anybody see it? Yeah. So it's funny because it's not funny, but um, I did hear that and was thrilled. And then last night we saw that it was on HBO Go. I put it on. I watched probably a solid half hour, forty five minutes of it, and fell asleep. But that is not—it's not bad. It's because I was like, <laughs> I was on the point of unconsciousness when I put it on. I was just like, oh, let me start watching it. Uh, I was totally in- intrigued and enthralled. Uh, but I do need to finish it. But I did fall asleep. But th- th- don't hold that against the documentary. I, I did the same thing. I like, literally last okay, great. night. I got home. Well, this is not an asserting recommendation. No, no, sorry, two out of two have fallen asleep. I, didn't, I, I didn't fall asleep. Sorry. Oh, I, okay. just, I okay. saw it was on that. I said it's a tape. I think it taped at like two a.m. this morning. So tape. Tape. Sorry, I'm old. What do you have? Hey, it's pretty, I'm pretty I said it to tape, but I'm still learning how this whole VCR recording <laughs> thing works. So. Sorry, I DVR'd it. Did I say that correctly? Is it the V in the middle? The DV? I don't even. I'm I'm beyond that, man. I don't even know what that is. I know what it is. But anyway, whatever. I I'm going to be elitist it. and pretend I'm too cool to know what DVRing is. So I, I'm guessing nobody saw it then, right? Nobody. Nobody went to like a yeah, small theater. Know, to catch what it. is this? What's this documentary about? I've never oh, oh, JV, excommunicated from from Liberty. <laughs> this is news to me. This is, uh, you know, how, this is how why about you we need to come on the show? The others that are in the same boat as you me. Know, some people go have like our social media feed for news. Some people like watch CNN. JB just comes on the show like once every month or two, and that's when we catch him up on everything. But yeah, Cis- Citizen Four is the Edwards noting. Your chest at me. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually itching myself. But it's really disturbing. <laughs> it's a, someday this will be a video podcast, and then everybody will see how weird things really get back here. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, basically Citizen Four is the Edward Snowden documentary. Um, I believe Laura Poitras 
create, made the documentary as well, right. right? She was making it as as she went. So there's actually footage of Edward Snowden seeing the Edward Snowden um, like story breaking on CNN and and his reaction to that. So it's it's pretty crazy because I don't think he even expected the the mainstream coverage. Maybe this is a good place to uh, actually start talking about politics and, and liberty. Was, and was stuff. it ever in the theaters though? I don't remember hearing anything about. No, it. it's uh, well, it's an HBO well, production. I don't was, think it was. No, no, it wasn't. Li- it, they they did a limited run around like because they did different film festivals. Like I know it won Best Documented at the New York Film Festival, and then. I think they did little, uh, very small runs. So they do like, you know, like a, a theater here, a theater there. But yeah, for the mainstream, it did not get a national distribution, though. Um, so yeah, HBO's, I mean, more or less, they, they've got the the premiere of it. I mean, I doubt it's a coincidence that it was tossed up on their on-demand like the day after it won the Oscar. Yeah. yeah but so. um, it worked. I clicked on it. I would have clicked on it if I'd saw it any other time. It was the first time I actually saw it where I could actually just press a button and watch it. I was actually shocked as hell that they didn't try to do some sort of... Like, you know, it'll probably be in theaters still, but I was really surprised, especially when they on the Oscar, they didn't do some kind of theater rollout. Because I actually... I mean, hell, I'll go pay to see that. Well, I feel theater. like when it first came out, they did like, you know, it's going to be in two theaters in L.A. and New York and that kind right. of thing. But it's not the kind of thing that's... I mean, I don't, it's not a big money maker. It's not the kind of thing that's going to be in every every theater in the world or anything like that. I mean, it should be. I mean, it should be the issue of of, of utmost concern. Yeah, um, I'm actually speaking to a guy in a couple of weeks who, when he was 14 years old, just two years ago, he's 16 now. He saw this this story break, the Edward Snowden NSA story break, and it got him really interested in politics. And he he joined Restore the Fourth. Uh, it's something we've talked about on the show before. I had Pablo Serrato on to talk about that. Uh, but he joined that group, and now at the age of 16, he started a group called uh, Project Digital Privacy, which is aimed at just curtailing local police spying. And this is a kid who's 16 now. I mean, what, what were you guys doing at 16? Like, that that um, is unbelievable. I, yeah. I was in a probably... In a gutter somewhere. I don't know. You were? Uh, he, <laughs> Whoa. I never realized. In gutter. You live in Pittsburgh. I never realized not, how trouble. Not when I was 16. Probably when I was more like 20. But yeah. <laughs> then, 16, okay. I was probably just doing stupid stuff. Yeah, just Driving doing... around. I don't know. <laughs> Driving around. That's ridiculous. Who drives around anywhere? Where Were you going anywhere in particular? Or Isn't just... that what you guys did when you were 16? You just get in the car and just drive? And then, you, you know what sucks is I actually didn't get my license until I was 17 because the first day I ever went out to drive the, to drive a car with my dad... I was he was teaching me how to drive and I totaled his car. <laughs> I drove into a tree. This is no joke. And then I, I did he wasn't exactly like ready to get me on the road anytime soon. So I wait I had to wait till I was seventeen. So uh, that's a lesson to you guys. Don't don't total cars. I used know? to walk around malls like a loser. Oh a yeah, mall. I did a little bit of that. I was a mall ratter. I did a little mall walking around. Yeah, I did a lot of that. I don't understand why. But I don't know now. Now I have no idea because I go there and I'm like, I want to kill myself within 30 seconds. It was I'm like a lemming thing, you know. The crowd of teenagers just walk around the mall. And then if you I think it's because teenage girls the went mall. there too. Well, that's true. And then so then we wanted to go there. That's and, why and, we still and, go there and not talk to them. <laughs> hey. Hold on, let me let me press let me press pause for a second. Brian, why do you really go to malls again for, for <laughs> teenage? Edit that out and put in elderly women. Wait, not elderly women either. Oh god, it's getting worse. <laughs> Dark path. Oh boy. All right, back to liberty. I think we should stick on this mall topic. It's it's much more interesting. Well, actually, you know what? Perfect segue. Because in a free society, no. Hold on, perfect segue. Uh, they, I saw the. Uh, they just released the fact that I guess they, the NSA was making a big deal about you know how the Mall of America was uh, primed for attack, and now they just said, ah, oh, no, never mind. This there's nothing, no threats. ISIS is not going to be blowing up the Mall. Oh, of sorry, we were people. just uh, reading Jesse Ventura's website. We got confused for a second. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to knock on Jesse Ventura. He just looks so crazy nowadays. I love he the guy. He won, great. Two, he won a two million dollar lawsuit against American Sniper. There you yeah, go. I was going to say, speaking of it, Jesse Ventura, have you guys seen American Sniper? No. I have not. Has anyone else? I did. I have not. All right. Well, Odie, you get to now give your first drum roll, please. Odie movie review on Lions of Liberty podcast. Let's go. Well, I I will say it was an entertaining movie, but uh, it probably was not very realistic. You know, I've never been in a war, but I'm assuming it was... uh, you know, not exactly what what you would expect. Well, in a real war, there's like cats with laser beams on their heads, I believe. Right? Uh, laser yeah, beams. No cats with laser beams, but so, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was well made. I think it was very well made. I don't know how. I have no idea how accurate it was to uh, Chris Kyle's actual life or his actual personality or moral character. But uh, it was entertaining, and you know, they say um, you know they're not sure if it's a, a pro pro war movie or an anti war movie. It's just a war movie, but 
I would say it's probably definitely leaned pro-war to me. I got that vibe watching it. It's interesting because I haven't seen the movie. I do want to see it because I think Clint Eastwood's an amazing filmmaker. Uh, But Clint Eastwood, you know, there was Michael Moore and all these guys coming out saying it's, you know, they're anti-war. It should be an anti-war movie, but people are taking it as a pro-war movie. But Clint Eastwood actually came out and said it, they they're right. It should be taken as an anti-war movie because that that's the way he sees it, which is interesting, which um, I didn't necessarily expect him to say. So I mean, I think he that's was just yeah. I think he was just trying to. I don't think he even was trying to portray it with a political stance. Really, I think he was trying to portray Chris Kyle for who he is, warts yeah. and all. And you know, whatever. I can't comment more deeply than that because I haven't seen it yet. But one thing, I mean, it it does come across pretty well. Just how freaking insane. You know, it is to it, it would be to be in a place where there's a war going on. You know, the raiding of houses, you know, shaking down of families. Uh, you, you, get, you get a visual of that that's, you know, pretty, pretty in your face. So it really does. It puts that a little bit in perspective. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't, it's, it's worth watching, I think. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to pay 10 bucks or 15 bucks, whatever it is, to go to the movies. But it's definitely worth you know, giving it a, a VCR uh, or DVR. I'll, I'll wait for Netflix. VCR. That's <laughs> what I said. A VCR. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's definitely worth uh, renting the one-inch tape, if, the one-inch reel, I think, if, if you still have one of those players. But, oh, boy. Anybody else see any movies lately since, the, since that's what we're talking <laughs> well, about? Movie now? topics? No, no. I have not seen anything else of note that would be uh, legitimate to talk about. Uh, I will say something, though, that's kind of interesting is that you know, they're talking about how he's kind of a, you know, kind of a crazy dude, this American sniper. And I read a recent article about how the military, you know, people have been trying to expose this, how there's a lot of radical, like, you know, neo-Nazi groups that are in the military. Really? And yeah. And like, and they're saying like, you know, they, it seems like they, they, you know, they said they were going to try to curb that, but they don't at all. And a lot of these groups, they, you know, these guys, they join up, they fit the profile, even though, you know, you'd think they'd be registered psychotics, but apparently they still get through because they need the numbers. And they push them through. They get military training. They know how to build bombs and shoot guns and everything else. And then they come back to America and they haven't changed their views much. And, um, you know, it's resulting in some of these, like some of these shootings that you see going on where it's these radicals uh, that have now been trained by our own country to come back and kind of take vengeance on uh, other Americans they don't like. Well, that's depressing. Yeah, well, I just want to bring everybody down. <laughs> Here we were talking about having fun at the mall. What are you guys watching some movies, eating some popcorn? Well, let me take you down a notch. <laughs> and the show has reached a new low. <laughs> Only, what, 16 minutes in? Yeah, it doesn't take long, usually. does not take long. Long-time fans of the show will know that. Uh, what else is going on? What's in the news? I literally don't know. I don't watch the news. So talk, someone tell me. There you go. I'll tell. I'll tell you one day because this this article got a lot of attention on the website. Plug number two. Oh, all uh, right. Well, this guy's just got, playing for plug points. That's all I'm doing, man. I'm trying to Odie up the, my, up the my article links on Facebook. All right, thank you. But uh, I wrote an article about the diabetic warrior is his nickname. Yeah, and it's a pretty. I thought a pretty awesome kind of story is that basically what happened is this guy he uh, had type two diabetes. He started doing a paleo diet low car beating a certain way and started blogging about his experience online and it just started getting a lot of followers i mean we're a fat people there's a lot of diabetics out there that are looking we're for, a fat people we're, we're just a fat i people. thought you weren't a collectivist uh well <laughs> and a status if you've listened to a couple lines of liberty podcasts yeah. ago not really anyway uh so he started blogging about it though and then the north carolina board of I can't remember the exact title. Board of Douchebaggery? Board of Douchebaggery. Is that what it was? I think Dietary that's what it was. Normally I'm more professional, but this is L-A-L-D-L. Yeah, there you go. So they cracked down. They're like, hey, no, not allowed to publish anything. Can't write about this stuff anymore. You're telling people dietary advice and you're unlicensed, which, of course, is ridiculous horseshit. Now look, I don't and I, I don't know anything about his specific advice or if it's remotely accurate or if it's good advice for people to take, all of which is irrelevant because you know this guy is just out there really detailing his own experience. He has diabetes. He did he changed his diet in certain ways. He changed his exercise routine in certain ways and he's just telling people what worked for him. He's not as far as I know claiming to be a doctor. He's not claiming this comes from advanced medical research or anything. If he was making claims like that, you could argue he was perpetuating fraud against people even though he's not even selling anything anyway. But you know, it, it's a matter of just he's using this website, his own property to speak about his experience and there's no there's really no rational way that I, I think anyone can justify not allowing someone to do that even I mean even if their advice is completely wrong 
Uh, what do you guys think about that? Do you think people should be able to uh, say whatever they want, even if it's completely bullshit? And I'm not saying this his advice is bullshit. I don't know. Obviously, the board of douchebaggery seems to think so. <laughs> Who wants to go? Jamie, That's a cue for you guys. Hey? Whenever I say well, you guys, yeah, I'm not talking I, I, to Brian. I, I can chime in here. Um, All right. Sure, of course, I chime. think he should be allowed to say whatever he wants to say, you know? Like you said, you bring up a very good point. He's not, um, I guess, fabricating some type of position of authority saying, like, he studied this for dozens of years or anything. He's just telling his personal story. And if you buy into what he's saying, then more power to you. If you don't, then you can find something else. He's not... I don't think there's any type of like... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, fraud? Fraud, yeah. Maybe fraud or like... There's malice? no underhandedness involved yeah, in what no he's malice. trying to do here. You know? Like, it's all of a matter of whether you believe what he's saying is true or not. And I think everyone should be allowed to voice their opinions in. And whoever else, you know, wants to jump on board is more than happy to. All the guys really advocating for is cutting down carbs and sugar and stuff. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever died from that. So, yeah, I mean, like actually, I'm pretty sure all medical professionals and dietitians would tell you the same. Well, not really, all because, you know, well, they might say sugars, but I think that's that's a big thing on his. I browse his website a little bit because I like to talk to him at some point, get him on the show. I mean, he's his basic thing is he's saying, like, if you have medical professionals that are that are um, endorsing a high carb diet and let me know. Cause I want to, I want to explain why that they're wrong. So there, I mean, I, I'm assuming there must be medical professionals that do recommend that. I, I mean, I'm not, a, I mean, like, I don't want to turn I, this into a carb show. But. <laughs> I really don't think there, there's an endorsement of a high carb diet. There's certainly not an endorsement of eliminating carbs. Sure. Okay. In yeah. their entirety. And those are but, different you things. Know, I, I would say most dietitians think the average American takes far too much carbs, you know, so the, uh, reining, reining that back a little bit would probably be in everyone's best interest, but completely eliminating it, probably not. Sure. That's how I would see it. No, and it but all depends I'm, on who you I'm are, biased. too. Yeah, maybe I'm biased, you know? Look, there's, there's like, athletes that, that, you know, bench press hundreds of pounds or that, that play football, and they can eat, like, you know, 10,000 calories of carbs a day, and it's fine because they are processing yeah, it. Michael Phelps ate something like 20 pancakes a day. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think the problem isn't isn't as much of intake of food as it, and maybe there is. I mean, I don't. I, I'm not going to say like eating sugar is the same as eating like spinach, but like, but I mean, I think the problem is people are so there's such a uh, malaise in our society. People are mostly sitting behind desks all day, and they're not making make, making that effort to get as much exercise or getting constant movement in their body. And when you're, when your body atrophies is going to start processing, it's going to stop processing everything that you're taking in. So when you're Michael Phelps, you can eat 20 pancakes a day and no problem. You're good to go. You need to, because you need that energy to make your body turn it into fuel to do all the things you need to do. But when, when so many people are sitting in these sort of corporate jobs now and, you know, it's not really as active, you're not, you know, the, the stuff you eat will sit there <laughs> if you don't do something about it. So, I don't know. When would this become a nutrition? Now we're going to get fined by the board, yeah, the board of douchebaggery. For, for, so let's 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 bring this back to uh, to liberty for a minute. Let me ask a hypothetical question. What, what do you think this is? <laughs> no, I mean you're talk- we're talking. About- it's 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 all it's all good. But I mean, just to uh, you, you were saying before, because you know he's not he's not lying. You know he's not making making uh, claims that he you know did a study or something. What what if he did lie? What if he did say I I did a you know two-year study of eating nothing but cherry pie and I lost 20 pounds and it was completely fabricated. Would, is there anything wrong with that? I mean, morally, there's something wrong with that, but is that something where a government should step in and, and stop that from happening and shut no, down I, the webpage? I don't think so because, I mean, look at it this way, because then if something happens where somebody takes his advice and it you know, provides to be harmful, they could then, I guess, go after him. You know, well, for, I don't for think you go after him for... For just advice, you know, because I think advice is something that I mean, a lot of people give advice. You know? What's true. advice? You know, That's anybody true. can take or not take advice. I, I think it becomes fraud if he's maybe selling a product that is based on maybe if, if let's say he made up some experience where he, he maybe he never even had diabetes and yet you're taking Jesse Ventura in a bar like maybe <laughs> maybe this guy Jesse Ventura made a comment about diabetes <laughs> and this guy just laid him out in the bar. Um, no, but let's if. if if he's profiting, if he was selling a specific product to people that was maybe based upon his experience, then I think you can make an and and the experience was not true. Then I think you can make some kind of argument for fraud if he's lying to, to people to make a profit right. off them. Which and his website does have advertising on it, so you could argue yeah, that he is he profiting. So he couldn't really lie because he would be shit. Total. Are we turning into the board of douchebaggery now? <laughs> 
Well, no, here's... here's Put them away! Well, here's the broader thing, too, about this story is that, you know, we talked before about how just the pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry is such a crony capitalist institution. Like, it's unbelievable how much influence they have. So that was really the thing is it's like, you know, in a... Why exactly does Big Pharma care? Like, why should the North Carolina board give a damn about this guy's rinky-dink blog and he's advocating, oh, eat a, eat, eat a healthy diet. He's not saying, hey, diabetics, rip your insulin uh, needles out of your out of your tummies and smash them on the ground. He's just saying, no, eat healthy. And I got off meds. You can get off meds if you follow this. Maybe. You know, so it's like the fact that they jumped on it is an indication of, the, you know, somebody higher up said, hey, you know, we got to shut this guy down. You know, we're seeing this this going the wrong way and, and you know, big farmers got to get in the way and, and flex their uh, their government muscle. That was my sound of the government flexing big pharma. <laughs> and flexing and by, so, by so doing, though, they gave this guy even more of a platform. So, bam, blew up in their face. Good, as it, as it should have. You know, as it should have. So, anyway, I just thought that was kind of an interesting story and, and illustration of... But, I mean, it, it is a problem, though. You look at crony capitalism. We haven't talked about this in a long time, actually. You think about it. Crony capitalism just as a topic. But I, I talk about it daily. Where you been? Well, you haven't uh, been in the Lions of Liberty Forum, which we'll link to on the show notes for this episode. <laughs> if you're on Facebook, come on over and join us in the Lions of Liberty Forum. Odie, where's my plug point? That's one plug for Mark. So there we got you go. two Ding. for Brian, one for Mark. There you go. But we haven't talked about it in a while, and it's funny because you know we, we yeah we, we were talking about Obamacare earlier too. How Obamacare they're having the same amount of issues signing up, and it's a nightmare. And yeah, you know, Mark made a good point: is that the insurance companies, you know, everybody's like, oh, these insurance companies, but they're, they're, you know, complicit in all this. They're a big beneficiary of, you know, everything that's going on. Oh, sure. Well, when it comes to Obamacare, the, I mean, the insurance industry literally wrote that bill. I mean, you can, and it's, it's done in a very ingenious way where it's like, okay, we have to take all these people that we wouldn't have approved for insurance before because obviously insurance, the word insurance is to insure against an unintended, you know, event. And if you're already sick or already have something, it doesn't make sense to be able to get insurance. It does make sense to to have people help you to get covered and to get, you know, to get healthy and that kind of thing. But that's a totally different thing from the concept of insurance. So, yeah, on the surface, Obamacare, people think, oh, they're forcing those big, bad insurance companies to take all these these sick people. Finally, we win. But really, the insurance companies wrote this thing. The insurance companies guaranteed themselves millions of new customers that weren't buying insurance before that was the trade-off the trade-off was now we're going to force these higher standards which will make these higher rates and force all these other people that weren't even buying our product before to do the same thing and uh yeah good times you guys hear my interview with dr keith smith this this past week I know Brian doesn't. He didn't, he didn't listen to the show, yeah, but was, I know you guys. Listen. I listen to some of them. I just don't listen to all of them at the time, man. <laughs> he listens to 30 seconds per episode. <laughs> I listen to like half, and then I'm like, I got things to do. He's lying. He's a seven times closet listener. It was awesome. Um, I was surprised how, you know, the guy was on his game. You know, he, he knew the ins and, ins and outs of, uh, I, I guess I, I was surprised he came off as a libertarian, um, or at least, you know, someone who understood the principles of liberty. I wasn't really expecting that. Um, I mean, he definitely had to have understood the economic side a little bit to uh, to go the route he's going. But, oh yeah, no, he he totally gets it. He's the, he's yeah. on top of things. Dr. Keith Smith. That's episode eighty two, which you can find at lionsofliberty dot com slash podcast, where you can find all of our past editions. And Odie, I got another beep and black point right now, there. We're, we're gonna split that one. I contributed to that one, so that's oh, a half a point. All right, for you. all right, that's jumping f bombs, man. That's fair. Jumping f bombs. I know that's for that's because I want to make beep and John work harder this week. Beep and John Dobbert, our great editor. You, know, this you don't. You know, do you, you guys don't realize I curse every th- three words, but I, I have to pay this guy a lot to get it all out. So. Uh, or that's just in my head. I, I kind of want to switch tra- such a thought train. You want to scratch tracks? Scratch tracks? Just like, uh, I don't know, we got him black. See, we're all scratch drinking hard cross. liquor. This might be the first time all four of us are drinking hard liquor. I think yeah, that's improving. Gonna, I don't know if it's, it's improving like, the show, yeah, but it gets better. it's improving my enjoyment of the show. No, I, I, here's what I want to talk about, how the state of New Jersey, because I'm just going to, you know, Odie wrote an article about this this retired Whoa. 72-year-old who's going to go to jail for 10 years because of an antique pistol. I don't think right, and I remember I just recently referenced in an article a mother in the same situation, because basically this, this uh, well, Odie, here, you tell it. You, you tell us about your article that you wrote, and I'll jump in with what I'm going to say. No, we got to save this for the felony report. Just kidding, you can tell. I- I'll just do a quick, a quick uh, high level teaser. You have to come back for the full. Ooh, story a high level teaser. Oh, yeah. I like that phrase. You can. So I heard you can make money for that in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. Tijuana or something. Um, so basically, 
this seventy-two-year-old uh, man had a uh, an old, basically flintlock handgun. Um, you know, with something to have to load with, uh, you know, use black powder, and would take probably ten minutes to fire a couple shots. <laughs> and so this guy has uh, has the gun in his glove. The opposite of an automatic weapon. Yeah, the complete opposite of it. It's, a, it's a very not automatic. Don't shoot back until I reload. <laughs> Driving from point A to point B at his house to somewhere, somebody's house. I, I forget the details. You can tune in to hear those details. Yeah, you can. But uh, so he has it in his glove compartment. Gets pulled over. The cops push. He wants to search his car. Guy consents, says, you know, by the way, I have this opposite of a automatic handgun in my glove compartment, thinking, <laughs> oh, what's he going to do? Officer, you know, looks at it. Um, he doesn't tell him on the spot that he's going to arrest him, but... Uh, the next day, comes back, arrests him. Um, you know, they end up charging him with uh, with possessing a firearm. Um, possessing well, a firearm. I know you don't think that's the actual charge, but it's probably not far from that because pretty yeah, much that's I think all. You... I think it's possessing a firearm illegally. And yeah, which what, is pretty much is, anyone yeah, with intent to assassinate pretty much, President Lincoln. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much what it comes down to: the state of New Jersey has really backwards laws where you're really not allowed to transport a firearm, even if you legally own it and everything. Uh, to transport it unless it's locked in your trunk. So they've got well, some insane laws there. That's kind of what I was going to jump on here is that I, I, I cited a story a, while, a little while ago in some article or other about a woman who was a, you know, a single mother. She had a gun in the car to protect herself, illegally registered Shailene something. Bring it up, Mark. Come on, use your drunken memory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so she had it legally registered, though, to have a, a, you know, a, a handgun, and she had a concealed carry permit and everything. And she got pulled over for some minor traffic violation. The cop, you know, pulls her. She goes, "Be responsible, proactively." And she, I think, lives in Pennsylvania, so she was across the border in Jersey with her daughter. And she said, "Officer, by the way, I have this pistol. It's legally registered in Pennsylvania. I have a concealed carry permit. Doesn't matter." Arrested and faces, you know, some sort of crazy jail time. Yeah, Philly mom oh, here, Shanine Allen. That Shanine was her Allen. name. I remembered it. I didn't look it up. Give him a cookie. So she faces now jail time for doing nothing. I mean, she didn't use the gun. She didn't pull it out. It's just in her car. She's got permits in Pennsylvania, but because she's in Jersey with it, now she's facing jail time. And it's outrageous. And no one told her. I actually i am discussing this next week with Brian Aitken, who uh, I'm sure you guys have heard his story. But um, he's, uh, he's obviously become an expert on this because he spent time in jail for legally owning guns in New Jersey. Um, but yeah, now that'll be... Actually, this the next interview <laughs> next this coming Tuesday at the, the Lions of Liberty that's, podcast. That's a plug point for Mark. Yeah, that wasn't even intentional, but I'll be speaking with Brian Aiken, the author of Blue Tent Sky, and, and to give the the extremely quick version of his story. Basically, he was in New Jersey and he had moved there from Colorado with guns he purchased legally there. He legally owned them. He called the New Jersey State Police to find out how to legally transfer guns to New Jersey and how to transport them within New Jersey legally. Did exactly what they said. Anyway, end of story, ended up getting arrested for illegally possessing guns in New Jersey, uh, much like this other man was, and uh, spent a few months in jail and hasn't seen his son in six years because as a result of this. And we'll you'll see all the details coming up next Tuesday on episode 84 of the Lions Liberty Podcast. Odie, I got a full point for that, right? That's a full point. You've taken the lead now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, so getting, here's my point, though, is that it's New Jersey's law is insane. People are constantly screwed. Right? Look, there's a lot of reasons to hate New Jersey. This might be the top one. And the question I would pose to you guys is, look, we all are for states' rights. But yeah, some point, let's calm are, down from that. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me, well, let me, let me, well, let's say we're... we're in theory, we're also for states' rights. So down. we're gonna get you're gonna get to voice your opinion in a moment. I'm tossing. I never get floor. any time to talk on the show. That's the biggest <laughs> yeah, problem oh I have. Oh god, the world's tiniest violin. So anyway, uh, should there just be federal gun laws where you have a gun, it's legal, you can cross state lines, boom, done, you got your permits. Benissimo. Yes, there should God be. Bless you. But you know the feed up thing? There is. There's actually a law that, like in the Brian Aiken case, that they brought up regarding transporting guns from state to state, and they basically just like toss it out. They they said, well, it's similar to something we have here in New Jersey, so we're not even going to let you mention that in court because they're in New Jersey court. So yeah, even when there's the federal laws that that attempt to protect people, and I think there should be stronger federal laws that attempt to protect people, because I'm not really for states' rights. I'm for in rights. Why don't I just say it? I don't want to give John the well, word great, to edit that out. state governments are sure. coercive, like, oh. yeah, just like anything else. Yeah. Sure. People's individual rights. Yeah. <laughs> and possession of a firearm is an individual right. 
But I mean, obviously, in a society where people where people maybe are forming their own governments, where people are, are gathering in the communities, I have no problem with people banning guns from their respective community. I think that's a silly thing to do, but they can do it if they want. The problem is when you paint a broad brush and just take a magic wand and try to point it at everyone in a state or a country and say, "If you hold on to this, you are wrong. You are a criminal." JB, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know you've. Basically, you know, even long before I think we ever started speaking politically to each other, you probably came from a, I know you came from sort of a, I don't know, what you would call leftist progressive background. I don't think you'll argue with those terms. Feel free to if you like. Um, Yeah, and uh, I think you you came from sort of a a pro-gun control stance, I I think, anyway. So I want to get your your thoughts on this when you kind of combine your your gun views that you had coming into our our conversation here, not just today, but in general, uh, with kind of, I guess, maybe your newfound appreciation for individual rights. Well, um, that's true. When you knew me when we were back in college, I was not really a huge fan of guns. Um, I never, Monsieur I Guevara, we called you. I yeah, pretty much. But I, I don't think I ever reached the point of wanting to outright ban them like certain countries do, maybe in Europe and whatnot. I just felt like they should be more, you know, tightly regulated. One of those camps. I was never in favor of banning guns. Sure. But- not so much that even at the point, not even thinking on a liberty standpoint at that point, but just to the fact that with American culture, we were far too gone for something like that. That there was never really going to remove guns from Americans as a society. It's kind of what we do, so to speak. That's pretty much the stance that I held in college. This is how we do. But um, I guess I, I have definitely evolved on the issue. You know, I can see their place and the need for people to conceal carry. Which back in back in my undergrad days, I felt no real necessity for. So conceal carry, I guess I'm a supporter of now. When I wasn't before, but other than that, I figure, I guess my stance on guns are pretty much similar. Um, yeah, what these cases that you're saying before are absolutely ridiculous. You know, if you legally possess this firearm in one state, I don't see how it makes you a criminal in another. Um, I don't think laws state by state should be that drastic, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say, like as Brian said, you know, I, we're all supporters of states' rights in theory, and I think I used to be a, a lot more strongly for that because in, in, my, in the theory it was, well, the federal government has only co- certain constitutional rights that are laid out, and they shouldn't be doing things outside of that purview, and I, I agree with that in theory. Same time, if a state, New Jersey, whatever, California, whatever state, is violating someone's rights, I think that is a proper role of, a, of an ideal federal government, even if we don't like the way ours is formed, the way it's funded or anything, to protect the rights of its citizens. That should be the, the role. That should be the only role of a federal government. It should be something that's contracted out to protect rights when a state or a local community is not doing so. And uh, and I think we should applaud when when the federal government does that. They don't do it very often, so I don't, I don't have that much to applaud. But we sh- they should... And you know there there are there is talk of like law of federal laws which would protect people um, like Shinny and Allen who who was going state to state uh, you know with her concealed carry but but then it kind of throws out all state laws with concealed carry and I think that's it's not a problem to me but it's what some gun control people would say is a problem and why you can't allow a federal law like that and I, I think stuff like this Brian Aiken I know is trying to go to the Supreme Court with with his case um, eventually so you know this will be uh, this will be very interesting going forward but it seems like gun laws there's been the Heller case recently uh, I know there was a similar case that doesn't liberalize gun laws quite as much in Chicago but it does seem like the trend is is for lesser gun gun restrictions on individuals, and not not the trend in New Jersey at all. But um, quick question on the Brian Aiken thing, and yes, you have to answer now. Maybe he covers it in the podcast. But my answer is going to be listen to the interview on next Tuesday. Maybe you can, maybe you can give a high level teaser. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I'll answer them without having any idea what I'm. Ooh, talking that's a good. Maybe like we'll try like that. So, I'll be playing the role of Brian Aiken. Brian Aiken, <laughs> who is, sounds remarkably yeah like like President Nixon. The only impression I Brian do. Aiken is uh, going to going to challenge this this challenge the ruling at the Don't quote at the me on that. I, I, court I, he level. didn't right. he I mean, didn't he didn't say that in an anyway, interview. He I, I, he didn't, maybe he said it. Maybe he did. Maybe he said something similar to. He, but, his his real focus is on reuniting with his son. So I think that's right. where his. That, that, but I know he does. Have, he has has one felony charge pending that is has not been relieved by the state of New Jersey. The others have, and I think his intention is hopefully to press that. Okay, you know, that's, a little that's what bit I was going to ask. I, I thought all of his charges were. Uh, no, he, he okay. no, he was not pardoned at all I by th- anybody. I thought he Governor had, Christie pardoned him. Yeah. 
No. Um, well, you'll, you'll hear this in the interview. My high-level teaser is he was not pardoned. He actually had his sentence commuted with no pardon, and that was his request. He did not want to be pardoned because a pardon relieves you of your crime that you've committed, and he has not committed a crime, and he did not want to have a statement saying, I relieve you of a crime. So he, he got his sentence commuted. He got out of jail. He got no felonies removed from his record. Instead, he fought the felonies in appellate court afterwards, and he got, I believe it was two of the three taken back. The one was concerning hollow point ammunition. Okay, well, maybe. And that's, and that's the one that's still pending. Are you guys ready for the worst joke ever? Hold on. I have to make the worst joke ever. Because I think Governor Christie probably, a lot of people thought that he pardoned him, you know, when he's in the buffet line trying to squeeze by. Yeah, pardon. 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 <laughs> Governor Christie. Tune in. Squeezing by anybody. <laughs> I told you it wouldn't be good. <laughs> you know, I have something to add. Add on to my statement there. I, I don't How can you top this. the Governor Christie buffet well, no, line this joke? This is something I was just kind of mulling over here because I felt a little hesitant when I was expressing my my uh, my gun stance here. But I think right, it's coming right. from a position that um, I see a lot of people who are advocates for guns um, making a lot of what I would say disingenuous statements about it and owning guns in general. And what reminded me of it was watching um, the Free State, the New Hampshire documentary. I actually watched that. I forgot what I watched it on, but I was watching that, and they came to the point of gun control, how it's practically non-existent in New Hampshire, and talking about how New Hampshire is such a uh, crime-free, like, polite, quote-unquote, polite society, that the old adage in armed society is a polite society. And I find that stance, that a lot of pro-gun advocates have that stance, to be completely disingenuous. Because it, it, it leads me to think that they think gun laws as they are, as, as unconstitutional or against civil liberties as they may be, were created in a vacuum. Like, New Hampshire doesn't have, whether, whether or not New Hampshire has these strict gun laws or not, compared to a state like New York, where I was born, kind of is born from the fact that there's a lot more violence in my state than New Hampshire. Back in the 60s, before, like, the rise of crack and a lot of gang violence in New York City, they didn't have very many. Their gun laws were probably pretty similar to that of New Hampshire. But as New York City got more and more violent, they, the gun laws that were put in place were reactionary. I'm not well, saying. Can I make I'm a counterpoint saying, real quick well, to that? Uh, let me just finish. I'm not saying yeah, that yeah, it was the proper course of action, but I'm saying right. that these weren't created in a vacuum. And New Hampshire sure. never had the level of violence a place that New York City has had. So why would they know anything about like why these laws came about? No, I, I think that's a fair point because I think we often see laws that are reactions to real things, even if we disagree with the reaction. Like Obamacare, I think, is a reaction to a legitimate problem of health care being over, you know, extremely expensive and it being out of the reach of many people. And Obamacare is a reaction to that. I disagree with the reaction, but you can understand the reaction. And I think it's a good point because, yeah, sure, New Hampshire doesn't have strict gun laws. New Hampshire never had a high murder rate either. And, maybe, and their culture is different. Yeah, exactly. Like never had to deal sure. with the level of crime a place like Newark or Camden or New York City And that, that doesn't make the gun laws right, but it, it puts it in more context. Right. Exactly. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying you're not looking at, you're not right. really See, trying to understand where these laws come from. Yeah, it's not, it's not apples to apples. It's I apples mean, to peaches. I have a problem. Well, Mark already said one of the points I was going to make is that a lot of laws are made in reactionary situations. Like you saw after the Sandy Hook incidents and stuff like that, people were like, oh, we need to ban all the guns forever, you know, because of one incident. So that, that spark, sparks a lot of things. But to your point, I mean, yes, there's, you know, there's, there's violence. But the thing is that, and, and a lot of people always say this, they say, okay, you know, you know, yeah, well, you know, we have to ban guns because that'll stop the, the guns from getting to the criminals. But it doesn't. The people that are, are, participating in gun violence are still going to get guns. I mean, that's what I don't get the disconnect there logically with people who are like, oh, we need these strict gun laws because then, you know, crime's going to drop, which, by the way, factually, violent crime has dropped uh, exponentially. Uh, it's down this year. Last year was a slight rise, but it's been down year over year, like a, a pretty impressive amount. So there's not a lot of violent crime against cops. But anyway, uh, what I'm saying is that, you know, the criminals are going to get the guns. It, it's uh, it's underground. A lot of these guns, they're not going to gun stores and they're not walking in and saying, hey, I'd like a gun, please, and then walking to the next store and robbing it. They're getting them through underground means. They're getting them from, from people that are from illicit sources in the black market. 
And all that, all that, all these gun laws mean, and we've talked about this before, is it's forcing something into the dark, into the black market. If you have open society where everybody can get a gun if they want a gun, then these people, if they want a gun, they're going to get one. And they're going to take it and they're going to be actually registered because they're going to buy it legally. And if they don't buy it legally, then a gun law is not going to stop them from buying it illegally anyway. Yeah, thank you. That was weird. I don't know what happened there. That's a perfectly valid point and one that I agree with. But all I was saying is that if an armed society is a polite society, how did these societies get so rude in the first place? Because these gun laws weren't in existence in 1789. Nothing was stopping anyone from getting a gun in New York City in the 1950s. Well, well it's like anything. I mean, look, if you look at any anything like that. If where there's something that can be exploited, people are going to exploit it. And certain people might have a violent tendency. So they're going to exploit that violent tendency for as long as they can before there's a reaction. That reaction might have been that, you know, that well, in New York City's case, it was basically, I think, stemming from a lot of mafia violence. And then, of course, like you said, like crack epidemic and then gangs, the uprising of gangs. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can that you can legislate it away. I don't I don't think that solved anything by you know putting these gun laws in a place. I agree, but I'm just it's saying not, it's not, it, I'm just saying the absence well, you, <laughs> of gun laws wouldn't have made anything better either. It's kind of like I'm but not trying to make this like a zero. Then what has here. what has putting gun laws in it a place help, helped though? I don't know. Jamie. You know, I don't actually know. <laughs> then, then why, if it did, if, hold on, if it didn't help, what, then why do they need to exist? I, 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 to I, I don't people know. People that like, legitimately I, I, want I'm the gun. I'm not saying that it didn't help, but I'm just saying I don't know if it helped. Well, it's, I think, well, I think I it's hard, it's, it's, I think it's hard, no it's hard to judge. I'm not saying, I said I don't know if it helped, or, and if it did, to what extent, but I know for certain that complete absence of these laws would have done less than having a law. You, you don't know, know that, though. So you don't saying, know that. You're saying because in the we can't... 20, 30 years of New York gun laws, not a single weapon was kept out of the hand of someone who was going to commit a crime with it. Not a single You know what? The, one, of the biggest, one of the biggest movements in New York City that changed, you know, they always cite this broken windows theory for everything, you know, and that was even like a, a government crackdown, a police force crackdown on on minor crimes that they said had had you know dropped the crime rate dramatically in every category and that was basically like stopping people from jumping turnstiles and stopping people from spray painting the walls because they had just society there society there had just gotten to the point where people were like who you know what feed it who gives a beat and seriously well, yeah, I mean, that's what happened from there i, and I, once I, it's, I harbor that yeah, sentiment myself sometimes Right, right. You know what I'm talking about. Once that, <laughs> once that society, you know, they said, okay, we got to stop this, and we had to set an example, and then it actually did curve that, and it did turn it around from a philosophical kind of standpoint. Say, you know, I probably shouldn't. I could, uh, you know, take a dump on the sidewalk, but I probably shouldn't. Now, gun laws can be the same thing. If you have, if you have people that are responsibly owning guns, and everybody's got a gun responsibly owning it, then it it does set a statement that it does say, you know what, you act a certain way. Uh, you act responsibly with this firearm because you don't know who else has a firearm. I mean, New Hampshire is not, a good example. Not of everyone that. has to own a firearm. I think that that's, that's sort of misleading. I mean, right? It's it, I'm not yeah. saying uh, that. Uh, uh, right? I'm, and I guess I'm not saying that you are, but you did just say that. But <laughs> I, I did not just say that. I just say, well, in the case, well, 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 the thing is, I didn't say everybody has one, but the thing is, you never know who does or who doesn't have one. Right? You know, right. it's I, like. I you're not walking around with uh, with six shooters strapped to your shoulders, although I would if I Dude, could. I don't know that now. I live statement. in California where I'm not allowed to carry a gun. And if I go into a weird neighborhood, which I don't do that often, but sometimes you got to. <laughs> you know, I see somebody across the street. I don't I don't know if they have a gun or not. I, know, I only know that I don't because I don't want to get arrested. I'm not sure what somebody else is thinking. You know, I honestly, honestly feel like that would not help very much. What? Like, you're saying you don't know. Mark moving into your neighborhood? No, for, I agree. For, it would for, be example, for example, let's say... Mark, you're walking through some sketchy neighborhood, and we do live. You live in a California where that's free. There's no gun laws. Everyone's allowed to conceal carry. No permit, whatever. If you want a firearm, that's your prerogative. If someone mm-hmm. actually wants to cause you harm, in this, in, in this, um, this sketchy neighborhood, we'll call it. What's to stop them from just shooting you first or ambushing you? Oh, sure. Any, any anybody could. Like absolutely. think about World War II. How many millions of people died on either side? Who both had guns. Just because you have a gun doesn't mean people can't kill you. Well, no, I don't know if that, I, I, I don't know if that you, example I mean, works. For, for example, <laughs> not, excluding people just running up and just shooting people first. I mean, yeah. so it, it, it would sort of mitigate against um, the escalation of arguments in some instances when you don't know if someone has a gun or not. I mean, now in California, I mean, a lot of places we, we're not allowed to own a gun. I mean, people who have a gun illegally know that you don't have a gun. I mean, it, right. it's, that's it, 
completely makes the playing field. There's still plenty of uh, there's still plenty of violence. And yeah. JB, and you know, it, it, here's it, a real example. Sorry, sorry, Mark. Here's a real example. It, it doesn't even have to be you know whether or not you have a gun. But if you if everybody had a gun or could have a gun, I'll give you an example. A friend of ours or a couple of friends of ours are walking down the street a few years ago in a neighborhood that's eh, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. But a guy walks up literally to a guy out of nowhere, maybe a gang initiation, stabs him. Just stabs him right in the side. Now, there's three people. This guy walked up to three people, stabbed the biggest guy with a knife, and walked away. Now, in a society where everybody may or may not have a gun, would he have done that? Probably not. Because, you know what? One of those three people walking down the street, two of whom were men and not small men, uh, may have had guns. They may have had some something to defend themselves with. He may not have done, got up and done that because in California, though, he knows that, you know what? Nobody's carrying around guns except gangsters. And these beepers don't look like gangsters. It's three white people walking around, you but know? Then, but then, Brian, you bring up a perfect point. If that was the case, then gang violence wouldn't exist because why would gangs be fighting other gangs when they know for a fact they all have weapons? Well, I, I don't. I don't think we can just talk about guns. Well, that's a, that's, that doesn't make, that's a point. That doesn't make any sense. Is there not inter-gang warfare? Oh, well, I don't think gangs that line up. Absolutely, it does. I don't think gangs line <laughs> Why up. Why would they and, attack and, each other if they know the fact hey, that listen, they though, have weapons? Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous argument. Hold on, let's not act like. Why is that ridiculous? Hold on. Same because of the idea that I have a weapon is much makes me far less likely to be attacked. No, I don't. I, willingly attack others who they know because they're money. fighting over turf. They're fighting over turf. It's as like it's like it's money, basically like as opposed yeah. to property. People well, kill it's for like, It's like warfare, man. I mean, look, if you're fighting over a certain amount of territory, yeah, you know the people you're you're fighting against for that property are also armed. And I don't see how any gun laws would stop them from having guns anyway. So again, getting back to the main point of this, I don't know what your point is there. Well, hold on, I, is that like go for it. There might it's probably a statistically insignificant drop in crime if everyone has guns. That's what I'm saying. If anything, it'll increase more deaths during robberies and things like that because they'll probably shoot first. Instead of letting you go with without your wallet, they'll kill you and take your wallet. Because or they they'll be dissuaded from even approaching you. Them. And, uh, well, well, let me let me just jump in for a minute. I mean, I don't think any of us are advocating you know guns just being handed out at, in Seven Elevens you know to anybody who walks in. <laughs> I mean, there should be um, some uh, measures in place, um, hopefully market driven, that, um, you know, actually, you know, mitigate and keep guns out of the hands of insane people or out of people that are have a violent criminal past. Um, I don't know. That's, that's it's, a, it's a weird thing because it's something you cover a lot in Felony Friday. And because part of me thinks, yeah, you should keep guns from the hands of violent people. And people that shouldn't be, you know, have proven that they use them irresponsibly. At the same time, let's look at the other side of it, where, you know, if someone has a gun, or if someone is someone you, you decided should not have a gun, but you've decided they can be free from jail. So, I, I, to me, it's like, if, if, if you've decided this person can be in society, yeah. it doesn't make sense to not let them have a gun. It's, it's like, you gotta decide one or the other. Either this person's too dangerous to be out there because they're crazy felons and they're gonna kill people, yada, yada, yada. Or they have rights. I don't. And then, because if we decide to mitigate in there, it's like, so how do you decide that this guy? He can't now. He's out. He's violent. We you think he's bad. He can't have a gun. He can totally have like a pickaxe or all these other <laughs> things that make that bombs. Is something and, I, you know. I mean, yeah. it's it's like it's like. Are you a violent person? And if so, we should condemn you and quarantine you off. Well, hold in on, some way. I, Let me bring up the quick point. Can, I made this can, point. Can before I respond with to that Obama. first? Because that was kind of a yes. direct, sure, yeah, uh, sure. response to, to what I said. It was. I direct. I directly yeah, assaulted you. Direct probably. assault. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think there should be um, obviously once you're officially back in society, 100 percent, yes, you should have a gun. But maybe there should be some sort of proba- probationary period before you can get back in society. If you've committed, you know, some heinous crime, you've you've killed someone, you've uh, you've, you've raped somebody, something terrible. Maybe a probationary period. That- I think there. I think there's something called. I think there's something called probation that already exists. That that's basically pretty, kind of pretty what you're much. Saying, yeah, right? I guess I'm agreeing. But it's that's <laughs> that's different. I mean, yeah, the way it's set up today. Isn't isn't this kind of similar to a horrible argument we had on the Lions of Liberty forum about the use of uh, no knock raids? <laughs> Don't scare people. There's no arguments with the Lions of Liberty forum. There's only harmony. <laughs> this and is joy. kind of echoing that to me. <laughs> I remember that. Anyway, we won't go into that. We'll go into that. <laughs> well, I just but, wanted to address JDB's one point from earlier because when you were talking about 
you know, um, and if if you know it'll keep you safer from pe- knowing people have guns. I, I don't think it's necessarily that's the case. And when you're talking about like gangs having turf violence, yeah, there is there are gangs that have turf wars, but I mean. How does that violence take place? It's usually a drive-by, and it's usually something quick because they don't want to sit there and get shot. I, I, they're not. It's not. Let's not act like they're the. Uh, it's not the 1700s, and they're the fucking British army lining up on a battlefield, pointing their guns at each other, oh, and marching no, not, step by step. I mean, it, they shoot and they that's run. Exactly you know, I think it's, you're it's more likely to get yeah. ambushed at this point if they have a sneaking suspicion oh, totally. yeah, that sure. you have a weapon as well. You're more likely to get ambushed. Sure. But if you're likely to get ambushed by a gang, you're probably doing more than just minding your own business walking down the street. And yeah. I like to I like to backtrack one of the statements I I made. If, Ooh, if, a JB if, backtrack. Yeah, I, I gave it a, some further thought and I said something that I don't actually think is true. Okay. Um, I probably there would be a statistically significant drop in robberies if the idea was that everyone was carrying a weapon. You weren't sure because I imagine most people who commit robberies maybe less than people who are you know. Drug kinpins are a bit more cowardly, and might let there might be less robbers due to the fact that there's some right. who don't want to risk their lives doing this. But there will still be people who will are willing to risk their lives, and most likely li- um, robberies will lead to death. In this there will be some, yeah, I, no, I agree. There but will be yes, some. Would be a significant drop, I think. I, I'll backtrack on that. The the way I mean, look, you way the way a lot of uh, violent crime works is just it's the the weak playing of, or the I'm sorry the strong playing upon the weak or yeah. praying. But I've had some uh, drinks of this and I. That's how I pray the weak. The, the strong preying on the weak. So you figure if the if the strong is they look at the weak and they say you know that guy's not so weak then like you're saying it, there would be a drop. But Brian, would you at least agree that despite the fact that there's a drop, there would be an increase in homicides that come from robberies from people being robbed i I don't i still don't think there would be i honest i i swear to god i honestly don't because jb a lot of robberies that happen are not necessarily face to face and if they were i think those would drop dramatically because people might be armed a lot of robberies that happen anywhere when they they don't think people are home so there might be more homicides that increase from that because more homeowners would have guns and more robbers might also have guns but in which case you know, I mean, again, the, the criminal aspect, they're going to get the guns either way. So, yes, there might be a slight uptick because homeowners might be armed, robbers might be armed. But those people aren't going in to rob a home. Like, most robbers don't go, hey, you know what, this guy's home. Uh, I don't care. I'm going to shoot him and, and kill his wife like the Shawshank Redemption or whatever. He's, they're they're going to try to go into nobody's home and they think they can get away with it and, and not have a conflict. People don't want conflict. Oh, yeah, and that's what they do anyway. When I was thinking about these altercations, I was thinking more in the lines of muggings, things that would happen to you in the street if you're coming home from the bar or something like that. I, would, I think, and I think statistics back backs us up here, that most... You know, home break-ins. The the burglars try to break in when no one's yeah. It's, it's less resistance here. They don't want the trouble. Even if they're you're not, they're not armed. They'd rather you not be home because it makes things easier for them. Well, if there's no, one you back. know, what's interesting in California, the statistics are that it's. It, I think it's more likely that they'll invade your home during the day when you're not when they think you're not there. Mm-hmm. Which is. I don't know why I said in California. That's I think that's probably statistically true and that's all, why, all across the board because I don't think most burglars want to get want to have conflicts. I think most burglars want to get some stuff and get out of there. You know? And that's why I always leave a young son at home when I go on vacation, armed that's, with a Michael Jack or Michael Jordan that can do. dance around the window and yes. uh, yeah, you know, blowtorch. <laughs> Uh, I think a Home Alone reference is probably a good way to wind <laughs> this thing down. Maybe John Dauber can find some uh, some unlicensed Home Alone theme music to, to play. I'd I love it if he used a quote with the machine gun. Get out of here, you filthy animal. Uh, John, you heard the request. It's all, it's all there live, live for you. Um, why don't we do a very brief final thoughts? Um, JB, final thoughts. Why are you such a socialist? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I support gun laws, like I said. Well, Wait, what? you know, gun rights, I should okay. say. Those, well, those are very different things. <laughs> but, you know, I just don't – I support I support every individual's rights to own a firearm. I just don't believe in the rhetoric that's used to support And, and I, I think, think that's a very the, fair viewpoint. Just the liberty aspect is enough. You don't need to beep, beep. hit me with a bunch of things that are probably not true. 
You just need to say that this is my natural right, and that's enough for me to agree with. That's a beautiful statement. And that it's proof positive because we used to have arguments with JB about this stuff, probably using a lot of the rhetoric that you disliked for a long time. And you know what? You don't need to make those arguments at the end of the day. Once you can make a natural rights argument and you can make that one effectively, you don't need to make all the other arguments all day long to your blue in the face about the issue X, Y, and Z. You can just make the one argument, and that's what makes uh, liberty so wonderful. And there you go. You've all wasted your time listening to the last 20 minutes of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, If if you were drinking along. Well, we got in so many teasers, though. High level. High level teasers. teasers. HLTs, our new thing here. Odie, what do you got to say? Anything? Probably nothing. Um, yeah, I guess one note on gun laws. I don't know if we talked about it or not in there anywhere. But so if if uh, if guns if gun laws were laxed and and more guns were on the streets, I think that would push more guns off the black market. Obviously, because there'd be less of a market for illegal to obtain guns illegally, because people wouldn't be able to make as much money if you could buy the same gun legally as you would illegally. Thus, there would probably be more guns that robbers have that are legally owned and have a record of being bought. So probably people would be less likely to commit a crime with a gun that they are documented in purchasing. And that's my reasoning for why gun laws should be thrown out. But I'll stop with that. All right. I'll give the last word to... Did that, did that, did that make sense? I, think, uh, it, I, I wasn't listening, but I'll, I'll go back and listen I afterwards. Well, what I'll, I was I'll see you, see you for my own final thought. So I don't know. Right. I have no idea. No, it sounded good to me. Did you have actual yeah. final thoughts, Brian, or was that it? My final thought is just that I, I'm, I'm so tragically saddened by the fact that our special guest didn't show up. I really thought he was going to kick in the door Kramer style and, and stumble into the room. But we were expecting uh, our resident legal counsel, uh, one Rico, to be here. And tragically, he was delayed by Southwest. So I'll just say, damn you, Southwest. And uh, that's my final thought. Everything else is pretty much insane. All right, well, we'll have to try to get our, our resident lawyer, Rico, in for next time. But until then, folks, how, how, long, how long of a pause do I need to give to get you guys ready to join me in this soliloquy? Guys, all I want to hear from you guys is to give some advice to our listeners. And that is, of course, to live long. And- get the hell out of here. I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property. Before I pop your guts for a left. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. Just under her dog now. I think we're definitely getting better. <laughs> yeah. John, keep this woody banter. <laughs> I, I remember to do it this time. Head of editing and mastery, John Dawkins.